Hello and welcome to another edition of the Boomtown Hoops podcast. I am Steven, joined by Jackson. Jackson, what's going on? Hey, I'm just, you know, just like the Thunder, I'm getting ready for, for my first title. They're at the White, White House today, and we're just getting ready. Might be this year, might be next year, but we're going to be taking another visit to the White House soon. And making his season debut here on the Boomtown Hoops podcast, Cade is back. We're excited to have you, Cade. How you doing, man? Good, doing good. Ready to air off some spicy takes. <laughs> yeah, Kate's been Kate's been wanting to. Uh, Kate, he's been saving these for a while, so I know he's uh he's ready for them. So, guys, uh, no podcast last week. We were kind of had some. Uh, we were all kind of in and out last week, so couldn't really get it get it scheduled. But had a four game losing streak, but snapped that last Friday against the against the Raptors, which you know I thought that was a really good game, really good showing. Um, Cade, what's your you know kind of your thoughts on uh, on that Toronto win? We'll go there first. Toronto win is you know, and I'll, I'll be honest. Um, in the SI Thunder Slack channel, I, I made a post about five minutes before the game, and I said this is going to be ugly. I said the half court offense is going to be ugly. And to be honest, they shut me up. I mean, they came on, played really well together. I mean, I think that was the most important part was they played well together. So, I mean, our first real showing of Giddy and SGA coexisting, you know, they both played really efficient. And then obviously you got Dort played within the offense for the first time. And, you know, just a little bit of everybody, you know, contributed. So that felt really good. Yeah, and Jackson, and then going on to Sunday's game, Giddy at the Garden. I mean, it was it was just Giddy mania. What what's your thoughts on on how he? And we'll go more in depth, but you know, just kind of an overall, just to kind of recap these last couple of games. He loves the stage, you know. I mean, Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball, and he he's been the there twice, two triple doubles, and uh, you know, him and Will the only two to do it. So, you know, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and and then of course, and then M- Monday's game lost against Boston, really close all the way up until the end. Cade, kind of what went wrong right there? As you know, kind of Thunder kind of fizzled out on this one. You see what a lot of young teams see when they're you know they're making that transition to being you know a good solid team. Um, just turnovers. They just got beat by a better team. Matter of fact, in my opinion, the best team in the league. So I mean, I guess it's kind of encouraging that you're making these mistakes now. You know, because as we've heard, you know, Dignot's really good at, you know, looking back at the game, you know, making the players recall what, what went wrong. So it'll be good for Dignot, honestly, to get in practice with these guys and, you know, ask them and have them reflect. So honestly, it went wrong, but it went right at the same time because you want these mistakes to happen. And, you know, against one, one of the best teams in a close game. So honestly, you know, just turnovers, settling. Um, the offense got a little stagnant at the end, but, you know, just uh, work out the Kings going forward and it, and it ended up being a good thing in the end. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, I think it's one of those, you know, this is a young team. It's a young team, but man, this it's such a fun team already, even though, you know, I think I said it in one of the earlier episodes this season of, you know, as long as if we're losing, as long as we're not getting just blown out of the water, I mean, I, I, I think it's a fun team, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like being able to compete night in, night out, even when that means you're not winning, you know, Kind of like, and this is probably not the best comparison, but the Timberwolves, you see them get down by a seven or eight, and that seven or eight turns into a 20-point deficit just because they hang their heads, you know, the energy's bad. As a young team, it's really important to have that energy night in, night out, no matter what, and just, you know, play consistent. And as Thunder fans, we were blessed to have Westbrook, who always did that. You know, you know what you're going to get from him, no matter if it's going or if it's not. So 
I mean, just to see that coming through from a young team is really encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jackson, I know we kind of got your take on getting in the garden. Kate, I, I want your take on that just because it, it's, it's always interesting to, you know, for, for you that don't know, Cade covers for, you know, multiple different outlets. So it's, you know, he's all in on, on Thunder basketball all the time. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, Cade, give you a minute to, to have a take for, for getting in the garden. I think it's really important for, for a young guy to get that moment. You know, you saw Trey Mann had it last year. Jalen Williams, you know, hopefully coming soon. Ujman Jing would like to get, see him come up, but that's besides the point. Josh Giddy having his moment last year was incredible to watch. And then watch him go back, you know, we kind of had this foreshadowment last year of what might happen this year, and we saw it happen again, you know, transpired the same. We saw him play efficient, you know, and most importantly, alongside Shea, you know, that's that's an issue that a lot of media wants to talk about in a negative way, like, oh, they're not going to fit. The Thunder are choosing Giddy over Shea. They both played really, really well. I believe it was 30, uh, 37 points for SGA. So for Giddy to be able to play alongside him, put together a good game, knock down a couple threes, you know, big time threes like the, the one at the end of the first half, um, just really encouraging to watch him play well alongside Shea and kind of, you know, you're watching him mature as you go. And that was, I feel like one of those moments. Yeah. And, you know, going over Giddy's stat line, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, plus 15. That's, you know, I mean, that, that was the, the team high for, for, for the game against the Knicks. And I mean, I, I think, you know, and kind of as we transition into talking about SGA, I, I really think that, you know, the, the more that they play together, the more likely it is that seems like they could, you know, truly be a pair going forward. Is that, I mean, Jackson, is that, is that kind of what you're thinking or do you think it's just the opposite? I, I definitely think so. I think, you know, it, they need time together. Um, but the other big thing for me is they need, you know, the guys around them because they both in a way are not necessarily ball dominant. I mean, Shea is a little more ball dominant, uh, but you know, Giddy, he's a playmaker and starting to make plays if you don't have the ball. Um, so, you know, we need the guys around them. And when we're making shots, you know, it's easy for those guys because that ball pings around. Um, but when nobody's making shots and it comes down to Giddy and Shea, that's when it can sometimes look a little clunky. But, um, you know, as long as the role players are stepping up and we're making shots, you know, coping the way he's been playing, you know, Lou's hitting his outside shots, you know, kind of opens up everything and it makes that backcourt pairing look really, really good. Um, so I think, you know, we're just waiting at Chet in there and, and there's going to be plenty of weapons and they're going to look like a phenomenal backcourt. So talking, you know, kind of the the third head of this three hot, three-headed monster, you've got Lou, Lou Dort. Last week was not his best week. Jackson, you were you were ready to uh, to to have a own little uh, grind in your gear session with, with Lou Dort last week. But he's kind of, you know, he's he's brought it back up. So, you know, kind of over these last couple games that we've had, what's why has he been able to turn this around from from the previous week? Yeah, I think Cade touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, he's playing within the offense. That's kind of where Lou Dort is, you know, designed to be. He's not a guy who should really be trying to create much for himself. And, you know, those games against the Bucks last week, there were times where he was, you know, even late in the game when it was close, he was out there trying to create for himself. Um, and it's just not a, a aspect of his game that he excels at right now. I'm not really sure it's one that he'll ever really get to. I think he's, you know, he's paid exceptionally well to be 
um, a phenomenal, you know, little guy. And he's, you know, he's improved his outside shot a ton. Um, but that's kind of where he needs to kind of stick to is, you know, off the catch, you know, one, two dribbles and go. Um, and there was a lot of times where it's like, okay, he catches on the wing and he's, you know, trying to make something happen, which, you know, late in the game, you do need somebody to try to make those plays, but I don't think he's necessarily the guy to do that. Um, so he's definitely the last couple of games kind of started to play, you know, within the offense again, you know, a lot of catch and shoot threes and he just, you know, he looks more comfortable, you know, off the cut, he's getting, you know, good looks at the basket. Um, that's kind of where he excels as opposed to, you know, off the balance. Just to piggyback off that, like playing within the offense is huge right now, because if you think about it, when we are, you know, ready to contend, Lou Dwarf's not your third option anymore. Um, The volume's not as high. So, you know, learning to play within the offense now, so that, you know, two two years on the road, he can give you a consistent 12, 10 points while playing elite defense. You don't need him to go out there and shoot 15 shots and go over six from three. You know, maybe get you one one for three for three, you know, make some timely cuts. But, you know, he's not – Chet will be the third option. You know, you could even argue Jalen Williams will be the fourth option. He's not ultimately going to be your your third option. You don't need him to be that. And if, if he could just develop in the, in the sense of you don't need to be that for us – I think it'd be better off for him. And I think that's kind of what has been showing lately is him developing for what he might be in the future, you know, just playing within the system, get, getting yours when, whenever the offense lets it happen. Well, and I think too, I mean, you, you know, you look back, we, you know, we've had Tabo, we've had, we've had Robertson, like the thing with them is they could never really develop that three point shot. And I think out of, out of those three guys, I think Lou has been the one who's shown more consistency at least, you know, Robertson before he had that ha- had that knee injury, uh, whatever that was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think Lou's really he's got the highest chance out of those three guys to to be that not three and D, but a, a three and D wing. I think the important part of it is, you know, I look at Tabo Cephalosha and and Andre Oberson, and they are essentially just ball stoppers you know, kind of felt like the offense just slowed down when they got it. I think Dort, you know, he can play with much more pace and, you know, just goes back to within the offense. He can play, you know, just a little bit faster, make the right decision a little bit quicker, you know, just keep the offense flowing despite not having maybe the best jump shot. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, and you know, we've definitely seen, obviously there was, you know, the games in the bubble where his offense was really good. But for the most part, we've kind of seen his shot progress. Like mm-hmm. now, you know, there was times in the bubble and kind of before where it was like, you know, kick out the Ludor for three, and you're like, ah, I don't love this. At least now, you know, he catches, and like, if he if he gets a wide open catch and shoot, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, there's nights where it's off, but for the most part, he catches it. And if he's open, like, let it fly. And that's something that I don't think I ever really thought about Andre. And I mean, Tabo, you could, you know, you could trust him to shoot it from time to time, but I mean, none of them have ever been, you know, they're elite on the D part of the three and D, but they're they're not there at the three point part of it. So going going back to Shea, you know, it, uh, Jackson, me and you talked about it last episode. At this rate, MVP seems likely for Shea. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that. But I mean, like, just the way that Shea has been playing just seems just out of this world. Uh, Cade, what do you – I mean, I, I know we're – basically, we're already on this Shea's an all-star. I mean, it, it – if if he doesn't get it, I mean, you know, he's going to be the first first snub out of out of all the guys. So, what do you think going for at least to finish this season? What do you think the highest, you know, award, you know, second team All NBA? 
what do you think the ceiling is for for Shea this year? I think if if you can assume you're going to get the same Shea from now from now on out, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, pending health, he's he's top five right now in scoring. Um, I have notable names like Stephen Curry, Giannis, Kevin Durant, John Morant, Trey Young, other young stars, and you know some proven vets like Curry and Durant who have put together MVP seasons, Finals MVP seasons, and Shea's ahead of them. You know, there's there's six guards on All NBA. And and Shea's outscoring, you know, he's top five in the whole league, let alone, you know, the position. So I think it'll be hard to not put him on, you know, any All-NBA team. So I think, you know, second at the ceiling, I don't see first happening if you're not a winning team. I think if he, you know, if he gets us to the play-in or, you know, maybe a, a six seed, seven seed, that's, you know, shooting really, really high. But, like, even, like, next year, I think if you're not winning top four seed, I don't really see All-NBA first team. But second team, second team or third team, it seems like it, you know, he's putting the numbers up for it. So that seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's got, he's averaging 31 and a half points and like f- basically six assists. Jackson, is that like most improved player worthy or is that, is that still even too much of a reach? Yeah. I did a little looking earlier and saw some different stuff. Um, if you pretty much, if you can find a sports book that offers most improved players, Shea has the best odds right now. Um, which, I mean, it tells you that's, you know, where all the money's at. Um, and it it makes sense. I I struggle with most improved as an award in general because there's not really any basis. It's just like, a, you know, whatever you want it to be, which is fine. Um, but I think, you know, we might not have known quite to this level, but, you know, Thunder fans, we knew from watching Shea when he's been healthy, like he's got a level of talent that the rest of the league just – doesn't seem to pay attention to and now it seems like it's catching on more um so i don't i mean he's incredibly improved but i think you know most improved is a, a little bit too low for him i think you know all in Shea, you know that's what i say but um i don't i think you know like kate said it's gonna be hard you know unless the record is there um i think he's definitely an all-star but i I think we're probably looking at best thirteen if you know if the record's good enough, you know, if we're at that play level. Yeah, and and I, I, so that kind of brings us to our our next guy, Cade. You you brought this up, and I'll kind of just let you take the uh, the the ever changing story of Alexei Pokashevsky. I think um, you know the the way that Thunder have developed him. I think not only is it you know just exceptional to have seen you know the the up and the downs, the, the highs and lows. And Mark Gagnos, he preaches, don't be too high, don't be too low. And I think Pokey's been the biggest case of that. You know, we've seen some some games where, like, are you an NBA player? We've seen some games like he's going to win the MVP. So, I mean, just to see him kind of, like, level out where he's at right now and, and really take a big third-year jump defensively. And, like, you got to understand, and this goes to almost every point we've talked about today, Chet Holmgren's on his way next year. And uh, Pokey could slide back to being a four, still be able to play outside defense. You know, just play play more natural with with himself, but I really think it's understated, not not his jump shot, but like just like getting to his spots, or you know, getting to his spots whether it be on or off the ball, at, at more of a controllable pace than what we've seen in years past. So I think like overall the internal de- development of coming from the blue in and out of the lineup, and just you know, being right now like a perennial starter like. If, if things continue the way they are, it's hard to see him not as the fourth starter next year alongside, you know, the, the other basic, you know, five. So, you know, plug, plug him in at the four. He, he just seems like the starter going forward. Jackson, you got any, any Poku thoughts on 
uh, th- this week at least. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just take uh, Mark Dagnall's quote from last night. I don't know if you guys saw it. He said, Poku had Horford tonight, which is great contrast. We obviously had Horford when Poku was a rookie. If you told me that two years later Poku would be playing 37 minutes and guarding Horford, I would have checked to do a sobriety test. <laughs> I mean, he's come a long way. I mean, that's he, I mean, he still has his downs. He still has his moments where you go, like, what is happening? Um, but I think that's part of the Poco experience because for the most part, like he's been, you know, a top three player on this roster this season. I mean, guys have had their ups and downs, but for the most part, like he's been pretty consistent. I mean, his, what are you doing plays, you know, fall in there. But for the most part, like he's been solid, like Poco gets the ball and I kind of feel some confidence in it, which is not something you, I would have believed two years ago either, but you know, here we are. And I think him alongside Chet would be, will be interesting. I don't know if, you know, he's going to be the fourth starter. Or he might be, you know, him and Trey Mann come off the bench and, you know, run it. Like, but there's potential there. I mean, we're, we're starting to see what Presty saw, not that there was any reason to ever doubt Sam Presty, but, you know, there's definitely something there. Yeah, and, I mean, even looking at his his splits over his – I mean, I know we, we've only played 12 games this year, but, you know, looking at his, at his field goal percentage – 34.1 his rookie season, 40.8 last season, and he's already up to 46.2. So, I mean, you're seeing a at least a somewhat consistent growth from him. You know, points are still kind of right there around the, you know, you know, eights, you know, eight, seven, nine, somewhere, you know, just under 10. He's given me a little bit more hope these last couple games than he did at the beginning of the season. Similar to like like we said for Lou Dort, we don't the seven to eight to nine points, you know, maybe double digit points is completely fine considering you have three all star potential players and you know the in the Shea, the the Giddy and the Chet. You know, give me that consistently. And I just wanna, you know, backtrack a little bit to the the Poku plays, you know, the what are you doing plays. There was one that I watched in the Celtics game that I'm just thinking the whole entire drive, I don't know where you're trying to go and I don't know how you plan to get there. And he was going right the entire time. And he just finished on the left side of the basket across the key, just a little scoop layup. I don't know how he did it, but, you know, that's a development I've seen, just making something out of nothing a little bit more. And the way he plays, you know, he kind of needs that. Definitely. I think, you know, when you go to the, like, you know, the 7, 8, 9, 10 points a game, he's another guy who he might average around there. But there's, like, no one's going to be shocked if there's a night where Poku scores 22. I mean, he's got the potential, you know, he hits a couple outside shots. Like, that's exactly kind of the guy you need. If he can give you, you know, a consistent 10-11 and then has the nights where he jumps up and, you know, he doubles that, um, it's not a surprise. But, you know, it's somebody that if he gets hot, you know, get him the ball. And, I mean, I think, unfortunately, this is still going to be a year where, you know, it's all about just getting guys reps, getting guys touches, because I think our ceiling is playing despite how, you know, well, we kind of feel we've been playing and we've played a very hard schedule. I think, you know, ultimately, like, we're probably peaking around playing just with, you know, where we're at. But, you know, guys getting these reps, you know, getting the chances that, you know, come next year, come the year after, like, it's really, really, really going to pay off. You have to have that season, though. Um, You look at, you know, the bubble signs that kind of led to their next season, obviously they brought in Chris Paul. So that's a big difference. But, like, you see teams hit that, like, Oh, they're an eight seed, but they're they're a darn good eight seed, you know, despite not making the playoffs or whatever seed they end up as nine. Um, 
I think that's that's really important for every team before you're going to make a playoff jump. So, like, if they if they happen to make the playoffs like the sixth seed next year or, you know, just the bottom of the barrel playing again, this feels like that bridge season where it's like they don't really have it figured out, but they've got the energy, they've got the persona, and they just need one more year. It kind of feels like one of those years. And I think, you know, you have to have it, and it's a good year to be doing that. Yeah, I definitely think I agree with you, Kay, because you've basically – you've got all these – all these other Western conference teams that they kind of seem like they've got it together or, or they should be able to be able to put it together to make a, at least to the play in, if not the playoffs. Uh, I think this is the the perfect year for the thunder to just throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. I mean, obviously you're, you know, you're wanting that, that number one or number two for, for Wimbledon or, or, or scoot. Um, but I, I mean, uh, you know, we're too early in the season to kind of be talking about the draft right now, but other than those two guys. So, I mean, I think, you know, kind of going forward, once we get, you know, into January, into February, we can really start like, okay, you know, is it worth to just go all in on, on the tank this year, or are we just gonna kind of just, just see what sticks? I ultimately think it depends on health. I mean, if we're, if we're healthy and, you know, we're still, you know, just right there, hanging around the 12, 11 seed, you might as well go all in, you know, depending on the gap that's in between, you know, the 10 and, and the 9 seed. But if you're, if you've got Shea, you know, dealing with some lingering energy and in, injury that you just can't get over, you know, say his ankle bothers him, he comes back, it bothers him again, kind of, kind of like we see with Lonzo Ball in his knee. If something like that's happening, you know, just shut him down, not because we're necessarily trying to tank, you know, let Giddy have the keys for a little bit, you know, let things go south for a little bit. Sure. But I'm I'm thinking if we're healthy and we're playing, you know, kind of how we are now, you know, just just go for it, you know, have, have your run. Yeah, I mean, we go back to all the talk we've had about Shea and everything this year. He is too good to tank. I mean, it's, you see it night in and night out. Like, if Shea is healthy and he's playing at the level he's playing at, you're too competitive to tank. And, you're like, it would be doing a disservice to, I mean, throw guys out there with him who aren't trying to win. So I think, you know, it, it does, it definitely comes down to health. And I think, you know, Presley said kind of before the year, you know, how we play will dictate what happens. And um, we're, I mean, we've been competitive in, you know, most games this year. I think the Bucks games were a little bit of a struggle, especially considering they didn't have the honest, but um, for the most part, like we're competitive night in and night out. And that's not, you know, a, a way to tank because, you know, we can beat anybody on any night if we're if we get hot. And that goes beyond Shea too. Um, you you kind of you kind of have this feeling now about this team that we didn't have last year. Whenever you had you know, um, Ty Jerome and you know Tam Aldon and the, Moses Brown coming in, feeling like bad nights. But whenever whenever you see Shea have a bad night, say he only has like eighteen points and you know eight for eighteen. You have, you know, Trey Mann, who I'm confident could give you, you know, 25. Like you said, Poku could give you 22, and you're not surprised. You know, Dora could always step up. Giddy might, you know, have a 30, 35-point game in his bag. We don't know that yet. So I, I think, you know, it goes beyond Shea. Like, I, I just think every other player has taken a leap to where, you know, the holes can be filled if someone's having an off night. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be a, oh, Shea's having a bad night. We're losing by 20. I think it just it's just more than Shea now, finally. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a – you know, a, a piece, you know, there's probably one, you know, not solid piece, but the, the way that this roster is constructed right now, it just seems like they, it, I mean, obviously, you know, Jackson, you said it, Sam Presti knows what he's doing. You know, clearly, you know, 
if that be, you know, if they're just missing that one piece, whether that be Chet and somebody, or if that's just Chet by himself, that will that will just speak volumes to me the way that that Presti has set this team up. For sure. I mean it it feels like we're close and I don't mean, you know, close to winning the title, but like it, it sort of feels like the tank is coming to an end. Like the rebuild is you know, the the build is happening. You know, we're not at the ground floor. You know, we're, we're starting to put finishing touches on in a way um, because, you know, even if we don't hit the play-in spot, the lottery this year is looking very deep. So, you know, even if we end up with, you know, 8, 9, 10, like we still have the opportunity to add a, another, you know, effective piece. And you look at the roster and how competitive it is, and, you know, we're missing Chet. Like, obviously, you know, some people have their questions. I don't know how you could watch – you know, how he played in summer league and go, this guy doesn't really, you know, I don't see how it happens. Like freak injury, you know, you add him in because that's, we're still missing, you know, the size inside and not that Chet's, you know, the biggest body in the world. He's tall, but he's not, you know, physically unbelievable and neither is Poku, but, you know, like we don't necessarily have the front court, you know, strength at the moment, but really like the pieces are there, you know, we're not far. I really don't think we're far. Like, I think there's going to be playoff games in our future, whether that's a playing game this year or, you know, playoff games next year. But I, I honestly feel like it's soon. Yeah. And, and Kate, this is somebody you had mentioned in our, in our chat before we get started was somebody who could possibly bring a little bit of height to the, to the front court is Usman Zhang. And so I'll, I, I just, I'll just let you take it and you can kind of just, 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 gush about him or whatever you want to do. When when I look at Usman Usman Jing, the the biggest thing you look at is like he's a so called project. And I, I think Poku has kind of set the standard of you know it's going to be this really off the wall kind of pick that we turn into an NBA player. But like Jing has a better starting point than Poku had. More talent to work with, more talent to learn from, more talent to understand. You know, really the ways of winning because he's going to see that more than Poku did in his first three years two and a half so far, but Jing has, you know, obviously everyone knows his story. He was, he was a point guard. He has point guard skill at six foot 10. He can bring that height, the body, the build, and you kind of help at the four, but he allows us to play the game that Presti and Dignot want us to play in the terms of we're going to play fast. We're going to let everyone touch the ball. We're going to find layups. You know, if anybody reminds it, take it on the court. You know, he, he fits that mold perfectly at six foot 10 to come in and play that four. Um, I, I honestly think he could have, outside of the top three picks in the this recent draft, he could have the highest ceiling of all of them. I mean, you, you just get a six-foot-ten player with, with the skills he has, the shot that we didn't probably know he had, but he's been shooting really well since coming into the league in the with the G League Blue. I don't know what his percentages are, but it's it feels pretty solid. Shot three for six in his most recent game, I believe. So, I mean, he just kind of has the tools that he's kind of the player you develop into. He does a little bit of everything, and he won't probably get that shine he deserves on the Thunder, just because there is so much talent, one through three, and he's kind of forced into that four role. And, you know, how much usage will he really get? You never know. But I believe there's a, there's a player in there that would be the best player outside the top three players in the last draft, just in general. You know, he could have been the fourth pick, and it would have looked okay maybe three years on the road in a redraft. So, ultimately, you just got to trust the Thunder's development system. You know, they're going to get the player they need out of him, probably, just because, like we see in Poku, he's going to be the player we need when it comes to contention, you know, as it seems to have been their plan. So 
down the road, I think there's, you know, just a chance that Jing is one of the best players from that draft. Yeah, I've definitely been, you know, like sneaky excited to see how well he's played this year. I, I, you know, admittedly didn't know too much about him, you know, pre-draft and then dug a little bit, you know, once we, you know, we traded up, we made the pick there. Um, but I, I think he's kind of exceeded expectations so far. Um, I was a little afraid he'd look out of his depth at the beginning and he's, you know, he's a competitive player. He can play, you know, on any night. He might not be, you know, a finished product and there's times where you go, you know, eh, maybe, maybe we slow it down a little bit here, but like you said, Cade, like he fits perfectly into, you know, what we want to do. And ultimately like once we're healthy, if you look down the roster, I think there's probably, you know, six or seven guys on the roster that, you know, they get the rebound and they push, and that's an exciting brand of basketball. So even if we're not the most competitive, you know, we're going to be fun to watch and we're going to play exciting. And that's, I think, something that's really going to catch some eyes. And ultimately, we'll play some more national TV games. <laughs> yeah, and I think it actually would be, uh, you know, this would be one of the more interesting times to watch the blue. I mean, I, I know you always got to kind of keep your eye on them, but I think, you know, especially with, with Jay will and, and Jang down there right now, I, I think that's, I mean, that's two pieces, at least, at least one piece Jay will to let's see how that goes. But I think they're both they're I think they're both pieces that will be part of the Thunder roster in the, in the upcoming years. I think that kind of speaks to volumes of like, if you're a top 10 pick and you're outside the top five, you know, you're in the, you're in the six to 10 range, you come to this under team and you still have to fight for a spot. You know, it's not just handed to you. Like you might see with, with most teams in that range, like that, that player could easily end up on a different team in a year and not because they're bad, but because we have that much young depth that that can develop. No, say one, one of the two projects goes South. Obviously you have a roster spot waiting for you, but if, you know, say the, the one through 13, like there's sometimes we play 11 people in a quarter. And, you know, that's unconventional sometimes for, for most contending teams. So, I mean, just to have that level of young, talented depth is just – it's impressive. And that's where I think, you know, a, a season like this where, you know, we – you know, like we said, you know, kind of playing is probably the ceiling is so important because, like, we can play that many guys. You know, everybody can get touches. You know, when you're competing and you're, you know, trying to be, you know, a top four seed, you know, you're trying to get home court, something like that, you know, you have less time for experimentation. You have less time to play different lineups or to give young guys chances to, to make plays and have them and let them make mistakes. Um, whereas this year, you know, we can let guys, you know, take their opportunities and if it doesn't go well, it's not the end of the world. Whereas, you know, when you're competing to try to, you know, get those higher seeds and get home playoff games, like that stuff matters. So you're Ben Thornton, whereas, you know, like I said, right now, let them go, you know, let the guys lose. So looking over these next uh, two games, just to finish out the week, you got a Wednesday night game in DC and then a Friday night game in Memphis. Jackson, what's your, what, what's our record prediction for, for these next, next two games? Um, I say probably one and one. I'm incredibly disappointed because the Wizards game is the one that's closest to me. Always, you know, just a short hour and a half away, but unfortunately I'm not able to make it this year. So a little bummed on that one. Um, I think the Wizards are incredibly beatable. Um, 
I like our chances there. And I'm very excited to see the SGA jaw matchup because Jaw's incredible, but Shea is also incredible. And I don't think people have realized the quite level. And I think that'll be a phenomenal, like that's gonna be the NBA Twitter League pass matchup that everybody's like talking about. And I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, I think it'll the my biggest question, at least for for the Memphis game, is who's gonna who's gonna get stuck with Steven Adams? Hopefully, Jim. I don't know who. Just throwing that out there. I don't know. I'd like like uh, Stephen Adams and Giddy to be mic'd up in that one, just because I imagine the conversation there would be pretty entertaining. Cade, what's your what, what's your thoughts on these next two games coming up? I'm going to go also one-on-one. I think it's hard to not bounce back against Washington. You take a tough loss to a great team, and you're playing a team that probably has the same season ceiling as you for different reasons. They're just built like a middle-of-the-pack team. I think you come back, respond, beat them. You know, their offenses, our offense has looked great, and our defense, we know what they can play to. So, I mean, the, the Wizards are probably going to play similar in, in the sense of they're going to win a lot of possessions and a lot of scoring as well. So we could see a fun, high-scoring matchup, but I think ultimately we'll walk away with the win. Grizzlies, I'm feeling similar to the Celtics, a close loss, where we see an epic battle between Shea and John. Well, guys, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh Cade, Jackson, thank you guys again. Uh, We will be back next week for another edition of the Boomtown Hoops podcast.